Welcome to Loop Me In, the podcast community for parents and carers on raising children with disabilities. Join presenters Dr. Lisa Interlegi and Christine Christopoulos and their guests in sharing experiences, information and support ideas to help children with disabilities flourish. Loop Me In is brought to you weekly on platforms like Apple Podcasts, Spotify and Stitcher to name a few. You can learn more, connect to the Loop Me In community and listen to more episodes on our website, loop-me-in.com.au. Well, hi, and welcome back, Lisa. We've had a couple of weeks off with some others doing hosting for us, which has been great. Today, we've got Andy from Giant Steps. Giant Steps was established in 95 at the old Gladsville Hotel by a group of dedicated parents who wanted something more for their children with autism. Andy, how are you today? And welcome to Loop Me In. Hello, Chris and Lisa. Thank you so much for having us. Very excited. A little bit nervous, but very excited to be here. Don't be nervous. It's a very casual conversation and we're really looking forward to talking to you about Giant Steps. Yeah, looking forward to uh, hopefully answering some questions and getting some more information out there about our awesome organisation. I think the biggest thing I know about Giant Steps is the families that are involved. It's a very family-orientated network of people and that goes by how it all began in 95. Can you tell us a little bit about that? As you mentioned, it all started up in Sydney in 95. And just like you said, basically it was a dedicated group of parents that came together and were just looking to do as parents do, which is look for the best opportunities for their children. And within their research, they were found out about a school in Canada that seemed to be providing a reasonably unique approach to the schooling and learning and development of the kids and that helped to reach their full potential. And so I think they went across. I wasn't there, obviously, in the 90s. I was only uh, at that stage probably three or four years old. But basically they found this unique approach where the it was called Giant Steps in, in Montreal in Canada, and they were able to provide support for these young people with high needs autism. And the fact that they were able to do that was proof that the system worked, the program worked. And the unique approach was that it was really individualised. It was a strength-based approach. They used what they call an uh, interdisciplinary model, I believe, which we have adapted and, and uh, called the transdisciplinary model. But, yeah, overall it was found that, that the school in Canada had the resources and ability to support these kids with high-needs autism and that they were able to provide that support so the model worked and they wanted to bring that back to Australia, I suppose, yeah. And how many kids have you got in your Giant Steps? I believe there's about 100 or so, maybe nine in Sydney and about 30 in the school. I believe it's about 120 to 130 in total across the Sydney College and Sydney School. And then with us, there's about 35 to 40 in total across our college and our school. And so our school in Melbourne started in 2016 off the back of the, the same basic needs that parents had. I, I believe it was actually parents that were involved in Giant Step Sydney that were moving back to Melbourne and looking around trying to find opportunities for their children. And what happened was there's, there weren't any that could support the kids. Schools that were around weren't able to support their, their kids. So... There was a big push to be like, we need giant steps in Melbourne. You know, we need your support here. 
And so that's how it started. That was in 2016. And then we started up our adult services program last year, in 2021, last year. So tell us a little bit about the school environment firstly. Like what would be a day-to-day? I guess how we're unique is the transdisciplinary approach. That's a big part of it. Basically what that means is it involves our therapy team working with our education team together on the same goals. So we have speech, occupational, music therapists working with our special education staff, which are teachers and educators, collaboratively to develop the individual programs that we have. And that collaboration really helps to develop the learning of the staff also. It's not consultative where the therapists just come in and view a few things, then come out and then implement a few strategies themselves. It's working together as a team. Therapy teams are constantly in classes so they can see how things go and they're trying to fill in those gaps there. That's one really unique approach. I suppose looking at what was here previously to Giant Steps, um, I can't really talk on other schools because I've really only worked within Giant Steps, but having autism-specific schools that could support these kids was a there was a big gap there. And so what we're trying to do is we're trying to fill that gap as best we can by also supporting the community. And then potentially, hopefully, within the future in Melbourne, and I know it's starting in, in Sydney, is supporting other schools with their understanding of autism and their teaching in, in those areas as well. And what about the college? What is that about? So college started in Sydney in 2009. I mean, like we mentioned, it's a, John Steps has always been a, a really family-orientated organisation. It was started because of these dedicated parents. Everything that has gone on since has been involved with the parents and involved with families, and that includes college. So, I mean, I can only imagine how daunting the process must be when a child is coming to the end of their schooling and the thought of the future looms and what comes next and it could be very scary because you've had this support you know for how many years what's next so there was there was obviously a need the same level of support but I guess an age-appropriate level of support that isn't curriculum based the college was called the Giant Steps Community College uh, began in Sydney now the name's changed over recent years due to NDIS terminology to fit in with the NDIS so it's, it's now the Giant Steps Adult Autism Services. And there's 30 to 40 participants in the, we still call it college, nickname it college. Yeah, 30 to 40 participants in the Sydney College. And we just have a a small cohort here as we've just started our second year. But it was the same thing. There was a, we had our senior cohort in Melbourne that were looking to graduate. We're able to set up a service that could help them in their future. And basically it's next steps post post-school and for me what I what I really like and 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 often try to think about is my experience as a school leader as a young adult what was that like and how can I try to promote that to these young people provide opportunities that are age-appropriate that are similar that are going to be enjoyable and fun but that are still going to promote this independence and learning and skill development so that they can have further opportunities in the future that can look to, you know, 5, 10, 20 years down the road to continue to develop just as we do 
just as anyone does, trying to develop their skills so that you can find yourself in a workplace or in society and, you know, contributing. And feeling a sense of purpose, I think, is a really big big part of that for the, for the college, yeah. I agree. And I think the biggest thing you said before is age-appropriate because that's what you don't kind of find in the day services that you look for when your child, and 18 is quite young as well. Like even our mainstream kids at 18 don't just go out into the workforce. They either go to a college or a uni. So I think it's awesome that you've tried to apply that at Giant Steps. I mean, so far it, it seems to be incredibly successful, but that's that's exactly right. The, the gap in that area is pretty evident when you go to day services that you know, maybe underfunded and under-resourced, but people that are working there are incredible and have that same passion. But unfortunately, being under-resourced and maybe understaffed means that pairings aren't always age-appropriate. They aren't always look targeting the individuals and their strengths. You have to kind of look at groups. And I suppose the difference between college and school is that then we don't have a we don't have a curriculum to follow, which is which means that we look at the individual and we look at the individual's goals and then we base programs around their goals as well as what is going to be motivating for them to do, to engage, make sure they're engaging in it and it's going to be fun. Is that how you measure your success, Andy? Is that is because it's not curriculum-based and it's individual goal-based, you're looking at the progression of an individual to achieve their goals as the outcome? Measuring success is interesting. I mean, looking at as a role, as a job, support working and, and doing what we do, it's, it's rewarding. But we look at little wins all the time throughout the days. You have to look at little wins because, you know, development for anyone can be a, a slow process. It's, mm-hmm. it's not day by day. We're looking at weeks. We're looking at months. We're looking at years. We, our program has a number of areas that, and, and activities that we look at doing and and we look at process that way and we keep a lot of data so that we can go back and see how things are progressing and seeing how, ensuring that we're meeting the goals as well. The, the mm-hmm. strategies that we're using and meeting the goals, I think that's a big part of it and that's what we're quite good at doing is ensuring it is keeping a track of how that progress looks. And if we find that we have a goal and either we're not targeting enough or that the goal isn't progressing, then we have to, of course, look at the strategies that we're using to ensure that we can adapt them to hopefully progress further towards that goal. Yeah, it's really hard. Like, I don't know, setting goals for Louise NDIS, you know, funding is really hard. Mm. And as a parent, you know, what, I mean, everybody, you kind of want to make it achievable, but you have ambitions for your kid too. So you, you, it's hard to know where to pitch those goals. So you help the parents is that like a bit uh, giant steps thing that you partner with the parent to set the goals or is that part of your curriculum or not your curriculum but your approach that you're setting the goals based on your understanding of the child yeah absolutely I mean goal setting is a massive part of giant steps in general and and working as a team to try to set those goals so in school and in, and in our colleges it, it looks somewhat similar we have individual planning meetings within our schools with families you know each term and here the people that are involved in that are the parents families the the teachers the educators the therapists maybe even anyone else that may need to be involved if there's care teams involved as well we want everyone to be able to contribute so that we can get the best outcome 
And then within the college, we, we do the same. We have person-centred planning meetings. And then looking at what, what you mentioned earlier, Lisa, with the the NDIS setting those goals, often they're, they can be quite broad. Mm. So targeting them can be really difficult. So we would look at the NDIS goals. And, of course, we need to be targeting the NDIS goals to ensure that their funding is continued. However, we have to know the, the individual, the participant at the college, to know how to target that goal. So, you know, the goal might be accessing the community or getting out into the community, which is so broad. We want to talk to the families and with our own knowledge of the individual, whether that's as a, as a support staff or as a therapist, look at it and say, okay, how can we look at that goal, specify it and ensure that it's measurable so that we can then get data to see how we're progressing with this goal. You know, accessing the community could be specifically each day recording where we went or what we did. It could be going to a cafe, it could be going to banks, it could be going swimming or to the gym. There's so many different ways that it could be. It could be going for a bushwalk. So really trying to specify it. And we try to work with families as best we can to ensure that we, we create goals that are, of course, achievable but measurable also and specific. So give us an example of a day at the college in comparison to being at school. So we have on-site and off-site programs at a college. So we've got, we've got a base in, base in Melbourne at the moment is in Ivanhoe. We have some really exciting plans at our school. We received a grant from the government a couple of years ago, which is going to allow us to renovate. So a demolition that has started with the surrounding areas of the school and the renovation is is going to look at the beginning, I believe, halfway through this year and it may take a, may take a little while to, to start. So we're in a temporary space at the moment. But day to day, it's, I mean, as I mentioned, it's really individual. With, mm-hmm. with our program. So it really depends on the person. But I, can, I guess I can give you an idea on, on the activities and the, the areas that we that we look at. So, I mean, firstly, vocational experience is, is one area. Uh, so that is providing work-related skills. It could be work experiences. And we can help with supporting the staff within if they have work experience or if they even have a job. We have some partners that help partner organisations that can help um, provide those opportunities or maybe families have opportunities already set up. Health and fitness goals is a big part of it. Outdoor education is so incredible for emotional regulation and it promotes independence uh, as well. We can get out and about and go into the bush and, you know, everyone loves going for a bushwalk. So we try to get out and about as, as often as we can. Life skills. So we have cooking skills. So I'm in the office at the moment and I can hear outside my door a little cooking program that's going on at the moment. So building skills, life skills within the kitchen, within the household. A number of our participants are living out, out of home. So we try to really specify those goals so that they can bring it back to home and, and try to, you know, it's all about promoting independence. Community access, as I mentioned, Recreation and leisure is another important thing. So teaching appropriate ways of having leisure time, I think, mm-hmm. is really important. Some people really struggle to, to be able to relax, to be able to chill out without having a routine and without having a, a task sometimes. So trying to teach that, I, I feel, is really important because I mm-hmm. love chilling out and having time as much as anyone. And then therapy, of course, and education, of course. That's just some of our areas that we, that we look at. And then 
we expand and we kind of hone in on things from that. Like, do you have young kids that are coming in? How old are they? Are they like five or six? Are they starting school? Yeah. Yeah. Yes, we have a junior, like we have a junior school and a senior school. And within our junior school, there's I believe the youngest of part is a is a four four year old potentially. And right up to 18 years old. So I think our oldest at the moment is, is 17, who's looking at graduating. We'll be looking at graduating as well and at the end of the year and, and coming in across for us. So we, we are, of course, aiding that transition throughout the year to then come into the adult services program. So that's not just a quick changeover. I think that's a big part of anything with families is ensuring that we're aiding in that transition so that it's as smooth and as successful as possible. Yeah, I think that's what we both found really difficult, the transition from being in a school environment for almost 12 years and then going into a day service where it's not as structured. That's really difficult for them. Yeah, it can be super challenging. I mean, with people that working with people that have to then get to know your child and get to know the families, it can be really challenging. It takes some time to get used to regardless, but we try to give that time, that transition time, so that once the year begins, we're good to go and we can get it going. Yeah, I think that's something that we learned, to, as Chris said, that probably, you know, is, is being conscious of that as your kids are transitioning, whether they're transitioning from actually just starting school, it doesn't, you know, or starting giant steps. It's not, you know, any transition, you kind of have to get your mind around it and you need to give yourself enough space and you need to plan it. You know, you need to be working with the people that are, managing that transition with you and adjust everybody, including yourself and including your child. It's, you know, in the family. It is a significant thing for any child and any fa- any parent, but with somebody with special needs and, they, you know, the vulnerability that that comes with it, that you are more anxious, I think. And we, you know, we've learned that through any transition that we've done is to try and, you know, manage that with all your support team around you and give yourself some space. Absolutely. I think routine is, is big, obviously, with, with people with autism. It's, you know, it's a big, it's big and change can be challenging and transitions can be challenging, but I think that's the case for everyone. You know, change is always challenging for everyone and everyone requires forewarning and a period of, you know, understanding what's going to be happening and being ready, but change is always going to be challenging. Have you got through COVID? What's happened? Have you been open, shut, open, shut, and has that impacted the children? Yeah, so very challenging. I mean, we've been very, very lucky for being able to stay open the entire time. So we haven't had to shut our doors at our college or with, at our school at all the entire time. The, we've had a couple of days due to close contacts or, or COVID incidences, but we haven't had to shut our doors for long periods. The big challenge came with, particularly think college, because because our program is often very, it's, it's a community-based you know, hybrid program. So it's we're off site quite often. So when during the periods where lockdown was on again, then off again, then on again, it would be two weeks where you can't do something and then we're back open and then another week or two where you can't do something. That was really challenging because it's hard to understand why we can go go out to a cafe one week and we can't go the next week, but then we can go the week after. So within the big lockdowns, we were able to set a routine, although it was stripped back quite a bit, we were able to set a routine and continue to work on those goals so that it was still successful. But it was very challenging, still remains challenging. I think it's not only within schooling as well, it's within home life. I mean, having siblings, 
that generally should be at school and they spend their times at home. It's hard to understand why their why their brother and sister are at home and I have to go out and do stuff. Like what's going on? And it can be so challenging. But we manage really well. We try to resource as much as we can to ensure that there's a there's an understanding and that the environment that they're going to be in is is comfortable. Yeah, that would have been awesome. And I think the other thing I like about giant steps is just you're trying to get out to the community and getting them to understand what these children are about, what these adults are about. And I think that's really important. You have an affiliation with All Things Equal, I believe, which is a great cafe in Balaclava Street. Yeah, Carlos Street, Balaclava. Yeah, yeah, we do, we do. One of our participants works there. She's there. She works there a couple of shifts a week, and we we support her at the at the cafe. But an incredible organisation that we're lucky enough to partner with. And there are many organisations. Yeah, the community. I mean, Giant Steps in general. I think, as in the years that I've been working here, I think one thing that I've realised is that it's not just about the the student or participant and the staff member. It's about the immediate family, of course, and then it's about the extended family and the friends, and it's about the community and then the wider community and society in general. And Giant Steps is really big in promoting acceptance and inclusion within the community, and we'll try to do that however we can. I mean, with our college program, we are off-site within the community often at, at different locations, and that in itself, I suppose, helps to give educational opportunities for people that may not be exposed to disability as much, may not be exposed to autism as much. And there are some organisations, you know, you go to supermarkets now and there there are some, you know, they have sensory sensitive hours where they Mm. reduce the volume of, of the music or they turn it off and they dim the lights, they turn the volume off the machines and, and they, you know, ask people to keep things quiet and, make it a nicer environment, basically. And it's really cool that that opportunity. We actually recently also worked with Bounce, Bouncing Inc., which is the trampoline fun place, who were very keen to learn more about that exact thing, acceptance and inclusiveness. So we ran some sessions with them where the Bounce staff were able to hang out with with our staff and our students and participants and learn a lot about you know, the way that we interact with appropriate language to use and, and how we interact with our students and participants. And I think it was incredibly successful. The Bounce staff were, were amazing. But the fact that they, they're reaching out to us to aid in, in that development for their staff and their organisation, I think is a really good push within society to, to, to show that things are, are moving forward and that they're going to continue to move forward. So as we do go forward, we, we hope that we can continue to provide educational opportunities for people within the community so that we can help to provide a safe, inclusive, accepting environment for everyone so that they can get out there and they have they feel comfortable and then that in turn hopefully leads to further opportunities for them, whatever that may be, whether it's for recreation, whether it's for work. Andy, what's your, how did you get to Giants Test? What's your background? What's your connection? I studied exercise and sports science at university. So big, big sport fan. Health and fitness is my big thing. Um, that's why I love outdoor education so much. We see the benefits in it. And everyone knows the benefits of health and fitness mm-hmm. anyways, how it affects mental health, it helps with mental health. 
So that was my background and I, I fell into it. I, I met this person who was working at Giant Steps Melbourne a few years ago, 2018 potentially. So you should come check out the store that I work at. So I did a volunteer day and fell in love basically. So basically I saw the environment. There's this thing within Giant Steps we talk about and I've always kind of called it the Giant Steps vibe and it's maybe the Giant Steps spirit and it's this passion amongst the, the staff and the students when you go into school that you just sense when you go in there. It's hard to articulate. But you go in there and you, you really sense this care and the, the want to help, the want to develop and progress. It's just an incredible environment to go to. And I welcome we welcome people to come and tour the school to, to get an idea of what that feels like. We have an incredible staff base that really work hard and want to do better, and they do. Have you got a funny story? A lot of funny stories. Yeah. Many funny stories. I think there's probably some that probably aren't too appropriate to be, to be, uh, to be saying on here. Things that, that occur, maybe that aren't so fun, so much funny, but always some surprising, I suppose. Like we are in our environment, we'll go and do new things often. So, you know, we might go and camp, for instance. So last year we went on a, a flying fox camp which was incredibly successful. And to see the kids in an environment that, the kids and young adults, sorry, that in an environment that they are not used to with a routine that they are not used to, although supported by people that they do know, and see how successful they are. I think we prepared so much, we resourced so much, but they just come out and they just show us up every time. Like we, we, we go to the, we do these things that we're like, all right, we need to pre- prepare we're ready for things. And then we're just like, goodness me, like, look at this. And it really just shows the development that a lot of our, our kids and young adults, where they are, and being challenged is a good thing. You know, there's always a line, there's always a limit that being challenged is a good thing. There's probably not a really funny, funny story. I know you had Dean Cohen on and his kind of funny moment was always a, a, was a bowel movement. And I can give you many, many bowel movements. Many of those. Yeah, <laughs> one of those. People probably don't want to listen to that. No. <laughs> Not every episode. What I find really curious, Andy, is that like um, Louis is very structured, you know, that's him and it's fantastic and that structure changes as he's grown up. But through his structure, he's made us more flexible. It's really weird, isn't it, <clears throat> that our ability to be more adaptable has come through his structure. Mm-hmm. And often the things that I find funny are the things that I'm doing, not what he's doing, yeah. that I'm trying to be that flexible that, that flexible person or deal with something that is a structure for him that makes him comfortable, and yet I'm the one that's always put in the, the crazy, funny situation. I remember a time that he went through it. I don't even know why. So, you know, I'd have to he'd say to me, open your mouth. And we're at the a deli in South Melbourne Market and um, queuing up, waiting to be served. And he's saying, open your mouth. And I'm standing at the bloody deli with my mouth wide open, thinking, then thinking, what are people thinking that, you know, seeing me standing with my mouth wide open? But, you know, that's just, I always find it amusing that uh, through their structure, we become very flexible, adaptable, and have some funny moments. Yeah, and resilient. Like resilience, I think, is massive within families. And it kind of reminds me, I guess going back onto um, talking about our community access and building education through the community, we had to the shops each week to purchase food for our cooking program. 
it can be a pretty exciting sort of place to go, the supermarket, especially if you, if you don't go too often. We, we try to support our, um, our team to understand what's going to happen in there. There's a lot of motivating things. Um, food is extremely motivating for everyone. And what's awesome is to see the staff and the understanding and the flexibility they have also in understanding. And often, you know, our staff are running around, maybe running around in the supermarket. The thing is that the staff within the Woolworths, I mean, this is Woolworths Q for, you know, I'm, I'm happy to talk about them because they are incredible there, the people that work there. And they, they just are so flexible themselves. And it's so awesome to see that understanding there because often we walk around and we want to ensure that things are done really well. But to know that they have that understanding is really comforting. And then the, the, you know that they're going to look at you and be like, hey, what can I do to help? We actually also have the, uh, the local, local police here, the Heidelberg police come past just to chat with us, to get some, to talk about what we can do to help in situations, not necessarily just with us and our participants, but with anyone with a disability. Like how can they be more accepting and inclusive within their organisation, which I thought was really, really incredible as well. So there's some great stuff that's been going on. It's not a bad idea, is it, to recognise businesses that are welcoming and, you know, treat people with disabilities in an inclusive way and and uh, to, you know, really celebrate what they're doing? Because I think, you know, that's a, how fantastic that that Woolworths and Q is, um, you know, making everybody feel comfortable and that, you know, you know, the children and the young adults that go there, you know, feel like they belong, you know, they, they don't feel any different. They're comfortable and happy and doing their stuff. That's how our organisation runs as well. You know, we rely on our partners. We rely on funding. Like, so, I mean, another way that our school and that the organisation is unique is we don't charge school fees. So we lucky enough to receive some funding through the government. However, we rely heavily on fundraising and donations. And that's really, the families are really involved in this this area in aiding in fundraising, but as our partners, providing opportunities, helping to fundraise so that our organisation can continue and so that we can, yeah, so that we can, can continue to provide the opportunities for the, for the kids and the, and the young adults. Well, well done, Andy. Sounds like you had a great time too. I know you were thinking that you might have had a few visitors while you were talking. We didn't get one visitor, but that's okay. <laughs> no, I could hear a couple of our guys hanging out there and they were wanting to come inside and I was like, oh, I could let them in and no, yeah. we'll do a shared interview, but keep them cooking. We'll see what's, yeah. see what's going, cooking out there. It was just amazing to get an insight because we've obviously heard about you for many years now and just increasing that to the college too and the community of families and getting out there in the community is just awesome. It's what these kids need. Yeah, thank you. And I encourage anyone that wants to learn a little bit more about Giant Steps to head over to our website and you can, there's a lot there that you can look up and we're, we're very open to having people come through the school and check out what we're doing. We just want to make the place uh, as accepting as, as possible and uh, and provide as many opportunities for, for the people that come to our organisation as we can. Thanks, Andy. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks, yeah. Andy. See ya.
Thanks for being part of the Loop Me In community today and joining our conversation on raising children with disabilities. Join us for the next episode on some of your favourite platforms like Spotify and Apple Podcasts. If you would like to support us, please recommend the Loop Me In podcast to your network of parents, carers and providers. If you would like us to cover a topic or invite a guest to chat, please email us at contact at loop-me-in.com.au or go to our website at loop-me-in.com.au. If you've got any feedback, please let us know so we can improve and cover issues you want. And of course, if anything in the podcast today has raised concerns for you, you can contact Beyond Blue on 1300 224636 or Lifeline on 13 